Paul speaks very directly at the Corinthian church and to the Corinthian church about worshiping idols and everything else. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We're going through the Bible of one year. And this is the year that we are learning a lot from the New Testament. Corey helps us with Ryan. Corey, what's up? I'm going to be taking a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and what it has to do with the golden calf of Exodus. Ryan? Yeah, well, you know, although all men are now born of women, as Paul alludes to in 1 Corinthians 11, originally woman came from man. Today, we go back to Genesis to review that important history. Now that, that's very important, Ryan, very important because a lot of people under the popular science, they don't believe that. That's interesting. Janice? Jesus is Lord. It's my segment. Okay, very good. Take your Bible guide out and turn to 1 Corinthians 12 as we listen to what God says through Paul about the spiritual gifts. First Corinthians 12, verses one through 14. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For, in fact, the body is not one member, but many. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. First Corinthians chapter 10 to 12. I love this passage of scripture. It's part of our reading today as we go through the Bible in one year. It's very, very exciting. And in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, spiritual gifts are divinely inspired from the transformative power of God's Holy Spirit, the transformative power of God's Holy Spirit. We hear in a new way 
We see in a new way, the Spirit of God is the basis of our supernatural walk with God. The Holy Spirit also enables us to see the way God sees. Now, spiritual gifts are mentioned by Paul when he speaks to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10 highlights nine spiritual gifts. The gifts are mentioned here to help us learn and understand how the work of God is made known through us. Now, these gifts are not for us to do with them as we want. They are gifts to advance God's kingdom through our lives. They are gifts not to make us look good, but to advance God's kingdom through our lives. Now, that's important, beloved, because these passage of Scripture has been read many times by a lot of people in and out of context all over the place. And when we read the Scripture as God has given it to us through Paul and his Holy Spirit, we begin to understand what the Lord is saying. Spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 14. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today that you would help us to see and help us to hear about these spiritual gifts. Now, Lord, I'm going to pray that we would not go at this with premeditated ideas, but I'm asking, Lord, as the people have read through your word, that you would show them through the power of your Holy Spirit what it is exactly that you are telling us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, if you have your Bible guide, turn to today's passage. I want to invite you to write for yours. If you don't, you can get it at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you click on the page of the Bible guide, it will take you to a donate page. Thank you so much for that. But after that, it goes to another page and you can download the PDF files. Those are specific files that are put together like the print copy of the of the guide, how it's printed. And I want to encourage you that you can join us in seconds and be with us. You'll find that there's more in the guide than we're going to teach on in the next six minutes. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 and 2. Here is what the Bible says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I love that line. Concerning spiritual gifts. Are you ready? You understand what he's going to talk about? Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, he's talking about spiritual gifts. I do not want you to be ignorant. Concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles. And you carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Now here's what I'm trying to say. Paul tells the church at Corinth that they were once foolish in the worshiping of idols. That was foolish. Beloved, when we are saved from the ravages of hell, the Holy Spirit heals and leads us. Very important. The Holy Spirit heals and leads. I need you to keep that in mind because a lot of people get saved and they don't change. And that's a problem because when you are saved from what's going on, it's such a miraculous event that you notice changes, how you feel about certain things. Because your heart is revived. It was dead, now it's alive. You've been, what Jesus said to Nicodemus, you've been born again. Very important. 
We need to keep that in mind. Now, Paul continues here. Here's what he says in verse three. Watch this. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit, capital S, of God, calls Jesus accursed. I want to read the first part of that again. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The only way we can acknowledge God rightly is by the Holy Spirit of God. We must work with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in worship. A lot of people think that it's the sound system. A lot of people think it's the smoke machines or the lights. A lot of people think this or that. Beloved, it's the Bible. That's how we understand how to worship. We come and we bring the Word of God into our worship. We sing the Word of God. We sing about the Lord. We sing who He is and all of that. That's what we do. That's good worship. That leads us. I mean, the worship leader spends hours praying before a service to get his life ready and to get their lives ready of the worship team. We've seen a lot of problems in worship teams, and that's one of the reasons. The prayer, the, 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 the setup for the Sunday service is not there. And so, beloved, when we understand that the Holy Spirit leads in worship, then we do it differently. Now, let's look at these gifts. First, or First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There are diversities of gifts by the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation or making known of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, capital S. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, capital S. To another, faith by the same Spirit, capital S. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit, capital S. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit, capital S, works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as, look at this, capital H, He wills. Distributing to everyone individually as He wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body being many are one body. So also Christ... For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit, capital S. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. In the body of Christ, we are united through the spirit, capital S, of God, divinity. As God wills, he gives to each one gifts profitable for ministry. Beloved, this is so important. We need to remember and understand that God is doing this so that we can work together. Father, help us to get this and help us to work together 
in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we say, we're ready. Help us. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, today our reading is 1 Corinthians chapters 10 to 12, and my specific focus is on chapter 11, where Paul is teaching about the proper relationships between men, women, and God. And he bases his argument upon God's original order in creation. In fact, he references Eve's creation specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12, where he says, For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. So let's take this and review the account of God's creation of the very first woman, Eve. Although all men now come from women, according to the Bible, the first woman actually came from a man. Indeed, at the culmination of creation, God forms out of dust a unique being in his own image and likeness and gives him life. This was Adam, the first man and father of the entire human race. God then uses flesh and bone from Adam's own side to form another being in his image. When Adam sees her, he recognizes from whom she was taken. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, he says. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam would later call her Eve, which in Hebrew sounds like the word for the living, quite fitting for the woman who would become the mother of the entire human race. Unfortunately, bearing children was to become extremely painful. Though God had only given Adam and Eve one rule for their own protection, not to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Satan, using the subtlety of a serpent, deceived the woman into doing just that. Hath God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden, asks the serpent? We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, Eve replies, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Though some accuse Eve here of adding to God's word, since God had said nothing about the touching of the tree, the Bible clearly makes her partaking of the fruit the first sin, not her adding to the word of God. Also, since this command was given previous to Eve's creation, she would have received it early from Adam. So it is possible that Adam added it, or that God said both things, but is only now being revealed. In any case, Eve's reply to the serpent shows her recognition of the strictness of God's command. Despite her recognition, however, Satan deceives her and she eats the fruit. In turn, she gives some to her husband, who all the while has been standing idly by. At this very moment in history, a savior, a messiah, suddenly became necessary someone to restore our now tarnished relationship with our loving Father, and someone to reverse the curse of death. And God already had a plan. While cursing the serpent, God proclaims in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman would have victory over Satan. This is the very first messianic prophecy in the Bible, and Eve recognizes it. Indeed, when her first son Cain is born, she believes he is that Messiah. Though English translations of the Bible change her words, in Hebrew, she literally says, I have gotten a man, Jehovah. 
though she would soon realize that Cain was not the promised Messiah. She knew one day he would come. So the work that Satan started that day so long ago in the garden still continues to this day. Just think about all the lies and false allegations brought against our loving Heavenly Father each and every day. Satan has convinced much of the world to believe that God is some sort of malevolent dictator who doesn't want us to have any fun. But look at what happened when Eve believed that filthy lie. It wasn't that God didn't want her and Adam to have fun. He was protecting them from all of this mess. Know this, God wants us to live life to the fullest and to have it abundantly. But Satan has really twisted that all up. In fact, he's even managed to twist the good news of the gospel into an, an offense. I mean, think about it. God, in his deep love for us, came as a man, Jesus Christ, and sacrificed himself on a cross for the sin which we ourselves committed. And we're the ones that are offended? That would be like a son being offended at his dad for sacrificing his own life for him. So don't fall for the Genesis 3 attack like Eve did. Instead, use this as a reminder of what happens when we choose somebody else's words over God's. Despite the lies that Satan is spewing, God is a loving Heavenly Father who wants us to have a relationship. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to restore the relationship that was lost those many years ago. The only question is, will you accept him? I pray you do because the time of grace is about to expire. Please make Jesus Lord today. Just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose again and defeated death. Repent and ask him for the forgiveness of your sins, and he will. Don't gamble with your soul. Make sure you, you know where you're going to go and spend eternity. And what you do is you say, Lord Jesus, just say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross. And miraculously, three days later, you rose from the dead. You paid the cost of sin. And I need you as Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. That's how you come to the, know the Lord. You talk to God. Very important. Corey? All right. Well, today I chose to focus in on 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it gives four examples. The Apostle Paul in this chapter gives the Corinthian church four examples from the time period of the Exodus and the wilderness wandering period. And these examples are cautionary tales, what not to do, who not to be like. And the first one of those is idolatry. Don't be idol worshipers as they were in the time of the Exodus and the wilderness wandering period. So today, Today, you and I are going to be taking a look at the prime example of their idolatry, which was seen in the incident of the golden calf. Take a look. Two major instances of idolatry in the Bible are directly connected with ancient Egypt. One occurred under the leadership of Aaron while Moses was delayed on Mount Sinai, and the other was initiated by Jeroboam after he successfully took control of a fragmented Israeli kingdom. These instances share the image of their idolatry, calves. Both took place during a vulnerable time of transition and so probably served to reassure and unify. So why cows? 
In the case of the golden calf incident during the days of Moses and Aaron, Israel had just escaped oppression in Egypt and had been traveling to the promised land, facing opposition and physical warfare on their way. They made a pit stop at Mount Sinai where Moses left them to go and receive instruction from God. When he didn't return, the people assumed him dead, themselves abandoned. They forced Aaron to make an idol for them to worship and inquire of for help. Why a calf? In the case of Jeroboam, who himself had just returned from taking refuge in Egypt, away from King Solomon, who had a price on his head, he was the king of a newly formed northern Israel. He had the allegiance of most of the tribes, but had lost the crown jewel of the nation, Solomon's Jerusalem temple. Jeroboam's answer was to set up two sacred areas within his territory so that the people would not travel back into his rival's dominion to worship or celebrate the feasts of the Lord. Again, Jeroboam's idols of choice were cows. While the full meaning of the golden cows may not be ascertainable, the connection with Egypt is likely not a coincidence. The ancient Egyptians worshipped a few deities that utilized bull and cow imagery. They had a sacred bull cult dedicated to the life and death cycles of the god of the underworld, involving cycles of worshipping, then slaughtering living bulls. Even more widespread was their worship of the cow goddess Hathor. She was sometimes depicted as a full cow and sometimes as a human with a cow's head or ears. The cow was seen as life-giving. She sustained life through her milk. It was even said of some pharaohs that they were nursed by Hathor. This cow goddess empowered, sustained, and imparted divinity to the king's rule. Due to Hathor's nature as a goddess of provision, it seems a natural possibility that in Israel's time of need, they turned to a familiar cult to rescue them, without a leader, in hostile territory, with vulnerable families. Likewise, Jeroboam needing to unify his people even further likely reached into his pop culture to provide an alternative. Justification for his apostasy may even have been pillaged from the imagery of the temple itself. The temple's bronze basin sat on 12 bronze bulls. These bulls were not symbols of God, but their association with the temple, strength, and even the 12 tribes could have paved the way towards cultural justification. So Paul uses uh, this, he, this reference to the idolatry of this golden calf experienced by the, by the ancient Israelites to encourage the Corinthian church to not be like this. He, he points back to a situation in the Old Testament where we can easily see an example of what happens when you sin. And it's not good. It was not good for that generation of the Israelites who rebelled against God so blatantly. And Paul then folk, uh, pulls out three more points uh, based off of the wilderness wandering experience. And of course, the, the first one being adultery, the second one, uh, the, the evils of sexual immorality, the dangers of testing God without cause, and also grumbling against God. So Paul goes back to the Old Testament. He's, he's saying, read it under understand it and learn from the examples that God has given us in our past. Don't repeat the mistakes that have already been made and recorded down for you to learn from. Very good, Corey. Don't worship idols. Very interesting, Jen. Well, uh, in the same um, vein, really, I, I want to talk about Jesus as Lord. It's, it's very true that Paul makes it known to the Corinthian church that Jesus is Lord. 
There is only one way to God. There are not many others. And he's speaking to the believers in the Corinthian church when he says in, in uh, verse 2 and 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to those dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, what Paul is referring to here is that pagan Gentiles could profess Jesus as one of many deities, or else they could curse him as being a fraud. But they could never abandon their false gods and devote themselves to Jesus unless the Spirit of God made it possible. And I believe as well, Rod, that here on this program, while we're telling you about the word of God, as we're proclaiming the gospel, as we're giving our testimony, as we're sharing from the word, it is God's spirit that changes your heart. It's not the things that we say that is going to make a change in you. It's going to be God's Holy Spirit. And if you are receptive to that, if you are receptive to that still small voice, that, that stirring that you might be feeling in your heart right now, that's God. That's God stirring up. And if you would submit to that, and that's not a very popular word, is it, in, in this day and age? But when you recognize who God is and who you are and that you can have a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ dying on the cross and paying for your sin, my sin, the sins of the world. It's a gift that he gives to us if we would receive it. But that urging comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is saying here. There isn't many ways that lead to heaven. There are not many ways that lead to God. It is only through Jesus Christ and that prompting of his spirit. I think that's important. Because so many people have said today, well, you know, you've got your God and I've got my God and we're all making our way to the Lord. But there's only one, Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And isn't it very easy for us in this world today where there's so much talking and so much going on that we can actually have other little gods, other things that we put before God that pretty soon it begins to crowd him out and we might not even recognize that that's happening but let's as followers of christ turn our focus and really look inward and see what's going on in there Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 3.30 to 4.30, we are live on Facebook and YouTube and Bible Discovery. We'd like to invite you to join us, 3.30 to 4.30, New York time or Eastern time, and we're gonna be praying for you. And so make sure you join us. But today we need to pray at the end of the program. And we pray this way, these are the words. Lord, help me to understand the work 
of your Holy Spirit in my life, the work of your Holy Spirit in my life, in Jesus' name.